Welcome Arizona, bienvenidos Arizona. Welcome to Arizona Uplift. This is Daniel Rodriguez and glad to have you back with us. We're a little bit calmer this time than our uh, New Year's episode. I just want to say that um, I was more lively. I was more lively last week. Uh, thank you to the drink of the day and welcome yes. Luisa. Welcome, welcome. Uh, bienvenidos a todos. Luisa Contreras aquí. Uh, feliz Año Nuevo, familia. Happy New Year, everybody. Feliz Año Nuevo. And I, I'm so glad. I was talking to a friend of mine, and she pointed this out. We mentioned it at the last episode that we were not going to be doing that. Oh, my New Year's <laughs> resolution. Because, like, nobody's going to, like, you know, like, we're just glad to be alive now. And and I was reading an article since then that there was actually less talk about New Year's resolutions on social media uh, and just conversations that people are having because i think nobody like knows what's gonna happen this year i i 100 agree i did not see one post about new year's resolutions i think everybody's over them i i hope that that continues even past covid i mean it's good to have plants <laughs> and all of that it good. it's good it's good it's good but you know it, it was getting to be a little bit too much you know like but i can i can imagine though in late 2019 People had these resolutions about, yeah. you know, doing all these things. And then all of a sudden, like, our life has changed. So people are just like, we're not even going to, you know, we're just going to do what we can. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just get through it tomorrow. Uh, but, you know, why is it so bad? New Year's resolutions can be hopeful in a way. You know, set your goal for yourself. Uh, it is. Um, just don't go stack the gym for the first month of January <laughs> and and just make the people that actually go more frequent. Just Only you can go? No, no, I'm not saying everybody can go, but you know, there's always that wave after January at the gym and, and then you're looking at people and you want to tell them you're not going to be here next month. You know, <laughs> like you're not going to be here next month. But no, I, I support everybody that goes to the gym. Oh, I'm sure you do. <laughs> you know, I have a question. So I've been thinking about something this week. Obviously, we touched upon, you know, what happened in the anniversary of January 6th last week. And I talked about it a little bit too much because you gave me a lot to drink. But... <laughs> I was reflecting on that this week and I, I, I have a question, which is, have we learned enough? Have we learned enough? Have we learned enough from the past? It seems that we always try to question our human ability or we underestimate our human ability to dehumanize and destroy each other. And I think that every time that something bad happens, people say, oh my God, I can't believe it. It's like, really? You can't believe it? Have we learned enough from a time when we dehumanized people and turned them into slaves, uh, into property. And at the time, we didn't question it because it was just the way it was. Have we learned enough, you know, from a time when we told women that they couldn't dream and do certain things and work and they had to, they had to follow orders. And at the time, we didn't, we didn't question it because yeah. it was just the way that it, it was. was. Have we learned of a time where capitalism has shown us the things that people would do, which is anything for money, this concept of money and the power that they believe it gives them and how we have mistreated workers and have we learned enough from the time that we had kids working in factories, dying, mut being mutilated because we didn't have any labor laws. And at the time, we didn't question it because it was just the way it was. And I keep asking myself, have we learned enough? Because one year ago today, hundreds of people marched to our capital and attacked our capital. They attacked not just the buildings by sh literally shedding all over it. They attacked 
and killed security guards. They had a plan to assassinate our vice president, which regardless of what political party, the president or the vice president or anybody in that building, you know, belongs to whatever party they belong to. Like the fact that they were going, going there to kill people, they attacked us at every level. And outside of that building, there was an attack on our democracy to overturn an election to say, we don't like the fact that people chose Biden and we find no other way to deal with this except to try to overthrow the government. And I know a lot of people are not talking about it, but when people talk about it, like I know that when I've heard my family talk about it and friends, some of them say, oh yeah, those crazy people. And it's like, they're not Here. crazy. They're people that really believe strongly yeah. in certain ideas so much that they're willing to freaking inject themselves with you know horse medicine or whatever it is they were doing before they listen to a doctor there are people that are willing to go there and and i mean a tactic i've been part of many protests Lisa, many protests around immigration reform around women rights issues never have i seen anybody that i was with go that far it takes a lot to go and break into the capital and it wasn't crazy people in, in the hundreds that were there at the Capitol one year ago today, in January 6th, there were doctors, there were attorneys, there were teachers, there was law enforcement, there were veterans. There were representatives that participated in that. They're not crazy people. They're not your crazy uncle that come every year and say something stupid, you know, at Christmas. They're people that are out there organizing and they want to take something from you. And... I was thinking, have we learned enough? Because it seems that I keep hearing more and more and, you know, NPR did a story about this and, and a newspaper in Canada and The Guardian, they keep questioning where is American democracy going? Yeah. Where, where is American democracy going? And so I keep asking myself, have we learned enough that we can actually realize the moment of in history that we are in? Or are we going to let it slip into this crazy fascism dictatorship and, and just say, well, you know what? That's just the way it is. And that's what I'm, I've been <laughs> thinking about a lot this week. And I feel really scared because I just don't feel that, that we were talking about it enough as a society, you know? We really aren't. And what a way to start this episode. <laughs> Welcome to the new year. <laughs> 2022 is just 2022. Oh my get goodness. I get it. I get it. I saw that meme and I had to say it. <laughs> uh, have we learned enough? No. The answer is simply no, we have not learned enough. Um, you know, even when you you spoke about this, you spoke about the topic we we're gonna talk about today. I I personally didn't understand like the impact um that, that event created. Um I'm one of those people that, you know, doesn't really keep up with politics much and you know, I'm like, oh, it's just crazy Trump followers, um, not really realizing that it's it's businessmen, uh, it's it's teachers, it's uh, you know your neighbors <laughs> out there uh, creating this chaos and and really not understanding the importance that something like that happen. Absolutely, and I don't know if we can for the individual for the people looking at the video podcast i want to show you like the images and like I, i'm telling you i've been to protest and this images that came out of january 6th it's sort of like people are still haven't really taken it in and i think it's because we went through a lot of shit under trump 
we went through a lot of shit under Trump that we just got used to it. We got used to the mayhem. We got used to the craziness that when we saw our capital being attacked, we were just like, oh, you know, crazy people. And it's like, no, yeah. like this is the, this is the kind of shit that I remember years ago, we were like talking about Venezuela, talking about other countries that were undergoing, you know, government overthrows and, and riots and all this. And, and we would look at them and say, oh, wow, they're, they don't have their shit together. It's like, that's exactly what happened here. Um, and so just looking at the images, I, I was, again, uh, the anniversary of this was yesterday. And I was just thinking, I hope, I hope that we have learned and I hope that things will change. Um, but honestly, I don't, I don't see enough being done. And that's what, so why hasn't enough been done? Like if this was under Obama's administration, I feel like, I mean, the shit would have hit the fan. Like why, why is it that it was so underplayed? I have no idea, but I think that it, it has to do with us. You know, it has to do with us. It, 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 if the people do not rise up, if the people do not demand justice and accountability, like a lot of people that were participating in, in the, in the insurrection have been arrested, have been charged, but it's like, it's the neighbor. It's your friend. It's those people. When are we going to see accountability against Trump? When are we going to see accountability against the congressmen, including Paul Goldstar in Arizona? That were involved in, in planning the different stages of this. Like, when are we going to go after the big fish? Because it, if we don't go after that, there's going to be a time where people are just going to give up on the American justice system. And I say this as a Latino, I say this as an immigrant, that for a long time, and I've said this before, I felt like justice was always coming after us. And every little shit that we would do, somebody would get arrested, somebody would get deported. But people attack our capital and people attack our government and these motherfuckers are still walking around. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand how people can have hope in an American justice system where the injustice is just so blatant. Um, I know Danny, you know, and, and, and going back to, to Arizona, Arizona has always been the meth lab of democracy and racism. And a lot of the things that we are seeing at the national level, we've already seen in Arizona, but it's getting more crazy. And that's the reason that Trump is going to be coming on January 15th, because there's a large base of racists and fascists here in Arizona that can, that can, that still make a difference. Um, and I know Danny went to a, a manifestation, a protest recently. Danny, how was that? Hello, Danny. Uh, thank you for having me once again on the show you know it's always good and uh thank you everybody for tuning in those that are listening live and of course those that are going to listen later on uh on the podcast version on spotify itunes or akimismo on facebook saludo para todos uh yeah i went yesterday to what was um a not so much a um a protest but a gathering of uh people mostly people of prayer people remembering uh january 6th remembering this insurrection and remembering exactly what was going on when our our very own country was attacked by our patriots patriots quote unquote and uh it started off very peaceful of course uh we're seeing some images for those of you that are following us on video of some of the speakers that were there it was very very calm very um pushing for peace everybody wanted to uh, send that message very very clear that uh they didn't want to uh what is it engage 
with any of the protesters. But sure enough, like you said, here in Arizona, it is stock full of them. And uh, we also have some images like uh, this gentleman who was the first to start going going off on everybody who was here speaking. They uh, went through the crowd. They started harassing people, shouting um, obscenities, you know, shouting uh, at people that they were sheep. This guy in particular wow. holding the cell phone, that was his lackey following him around and and uh, filming everything. Somebody in the crowd sh- uh, chanted at the first guy that uh, he needs to stop being a racist. This guy holding the phone shouts out in Spanish, El no es racista porque está conmigo. What? <laughs> it's like the gall on this guy. Like this guy's the one speaking for all immigrants that he's okay with this guy. So the, so that makes him not racist. Que le, like he he's the one that's gonna give permission for everything to happen. Like, explain that to me. Yeah, and 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 again, what what for example, what we saw at the Capitol. Anybody that has been involved in the immigrant rights movement in Arizona will tell you that what we saw at the Capitol was not a surprise. And this is another like thing that always pisses me off uh, as well. That when it's a brown person or when it's a woman or when it's a minority telling you, hey, something is wrong. They're always labeled as, oh, you're being overly dramatic. Oh, you're just, you, you, it's not going to get that bad. <laughs> well, you know what? A lot of people during the presidential election in 2016, a lot of people were saying, we cannot elect Trump or else shit's going to go down. And what do people say? Oh, you're overreacting. It's not going to be that bad because our government, you know, is never going to let Trump do whatever he wants to do. And then what did we see? Exactly what people expected. And I'm getting tired of people looking at at me, you know, but at others that we keep telling you this is what's going to happen. And and they call us, oh, dramatic. You're overreacting. But if you were involved in the immigrant rights movement in 2009 to 2009 to about 2014, you saw how bad it got. You saw when people were out there while dreamers were outside of Senator John McCain's office in 2010 and they drove by us and threw things at us and they yelled at us and then they formed this chain and they had their guns. We felt that fear. We felt that violence. But at that moment, it was only directed to us. Now it's directed at the country. So what the fuck are we going to do? Because we didn't do anything to protect immigrants when we were telling you that it was going to happen. We didn't do anything to protect women. We were telling you it was going to happen. So what are we going to do? And this whole issue, another thing of like violence, Danny, that, that I, you know, I posted earlier something on Facebook this week and I always post shit just to see what kind of reaction I get and to start conversations. And nobody <laughs> wants to engage because people are afraid of like, you know, conversion and dialogue. But I said, prove me if I'm wrong. Because for a long time, people that want positive change in justice have been told, Wait, be peaceful, be nonviolent, do a sit-in, do a protest, don't get violent or else it's going to get bad. And we've done that for decades. But white people take up arms and start threatening and all of a sudden they have more power. They can attack the capital. They can elect a president. They can do all the shit that we've seen in the last five years because of this threat of violence. And if we don't, if we, if we're not careful with these people, we're going to have a civil war. So we need to be delicate. Well, where the fuck were you where I was trying to get my rights? And where were you when I was trying to get positive change and rights for people in a nonviolent way? Yes, yeah, definitely a double, uh, a, um, 
it's it, it's it's a fine edge. It's, it's double standard, is what it is. Is for anybody in our community that wants to stand up, we raise our voice. Like you said, just for raising our voice, you're we're, we're scared of you. You might become violent, and we see violence uh, uh, from the other side. See actual violence. It's not a threat of violence anymore. It's not an idea. It's not a what might happen. It is actually happening in our communities right now. And uh, so everything that they said could happen if we start raising our voice is actually happening on the other side. And during that um, that manifestation that was happening yesterday at the Capitol, there were police there. There were um, uh, sheriffs there that were like around sort of like protecting people like they weren't in the crowd where everyone started pushing and shoving and everything. They didn't even step inside. They were all on the outside. But where they uh, they were more in uniform was across the street when all of the um, Trump supporters were gathering. That's where they were all lined up, making sure nobody crossed the street from this side over there. Not that anybody tried. No one was going to try to go over there. They stayed on their side. There was people there that were uh, making sure that uh, they, uh, uh, nobody touched the, the other people that were trying to start a riot and, and things like that, because that's exactly what they were sent in there to do. They were sent in there to try to provoke a riot and make us look bad right there. Thankfully, nothing happened. Everybody behaved the way they were supposed to. But like you said, where is the other side's consequences yeah there is none yeah and then I, I earlier after i posted that by the way and by the way we've, i think a lot of us have heard this it's why do you always have to make things about race and i'm just speaking facts a lot of what we have seen under trump and, and and leading up to the insurrection has been racially based i'm done with this whole economic anxiety within certain communities it's some of it you know it's really about racism. But the point is, whatever it is, open your eyes. Because the way I see it, it was the racism against immigrants and the anti-immigrant movement that opened the door for everybody else not to be in a position where we don't know where our democracy is going to go. We don't know where their government is going to go. So start paying attention because he may have started with immigrants, but it's not going to end there. Um, but there's people making a difference, Lisa. There is. There's people making a difference. <laughs> Uh, people like Marcelino, Marcelino, a uh, great uh, friend of ours, uh, Quinones, who is currently ASD Director of Educational Outreach and Partnerships, uh, who is our very special guest today. I'm hoping to talk about his history, with, uh, you know, how he got started. Um, I met him at ASU during undergrad and hoping to, you know, get uplifted by his story um, his story of service you know not only at asu but at his entire community uh, definitely very uplifting story and i'm so excited to have him here i i always get uplifted by marcelino <laughs> wait that sounded dirty right no no i mean i always get motivated wow. by marcelino I, he, I, I, marcelino's a great friend of mine he's a great not just a friend a role model and i think that marcelino came from a, a like a generation where i remember when i was starting to get involved um in 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 advocacy in the immigrant rights movement Unfortunately, there were some role models and there were some mentors. And I was the type of guy that I always was looking for somebody to mentor me. I was always looking for somebody to take me under their wings and say, Danny, here's what I'm, I'm going to teach you everything because I see your passion and I see how mad you are and, and how much you want to create a change. And unfortunately, nobody did that, at least not in the way that I thought. And when I was looking at individuals that were older than me to do that, no, I didn't get a lot of that. So I had to look to my peers and I looked at individuals like Luis Avila. I looked like individuals like Marcelino. Yeah. And it was our peers that really were each other's role models and each other's mentors because we were learning all at the same time. How do we really address 
everything that's going on. And so, Marcelino, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for being here. And as, as always, always very proud of you. Uh, Daniela, I am so excited to be here. Uh, Luisa, I'm so excited to see you. Hi, Danny. Uh, thank you for setting it up. Um, and this is actually the first podcast that I do since being appointed to the Arizona State Legislature. Yes. Uh, there was a there was a headline that said Quinones makes 60. So I was the last uh, member of the House of Representatives to be appointed, uh, which means that we now have 60 members and session will start on Monday. So I am so excited to to be here and to celebrate that by, by this being the first podcast that I do. Thank you so much for being here, Marce. And like, like Luisa mentioned, like we know Marce before he was a state legislator. It's always like before he got before. famous. He's always been great and famous. He's an actor. He's great. I think yeah. we have some pictures. Uh, you, your kids know him. Oh, yeah. So one of the events that uh, my kids ah, went to. There it is. Yes, I love it. Uh, PBSKids.org. I mean, you're doing amazing things throughout the community, but I wanted to uh, get started with, you know, just your background, uh, how you got started. I mean, you graduated from South Mountain High School, right? Yes. So I, I think what's really sort of important to, to share, and, and I think the three of us will understand, the four of us will understand this, is, is that immigrant experience. Yes. And, 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 and Danny, Daniel, you, you were talking about, I'm going to say Daniel and Danny just to differentiate, but Daniel, you, you were talking about this. Uh, I think all of us who are immigrants come to this country and immediately we develop a, a deep sense of love for what this country can, can represent and for what this country can do for us. Uh, when I was five years old, my mom got tired of waiting for my dad who would go back and forth between, uh, the United States and Mexico. And so we ended up migrating. And at an early age, this became my home, right? So I had to learn English. I had to learn the customs. I had to become a member of this place. But I never forgot the sacrifices that my parents made to bring my siblings and me here. And so as a result, I grew up with a sense of, of debt to them. That then prompted me to take advantage of as many resources as possible so that I could eventually pay my parents back for what they did. Uh, and so I've always valued education. I've always valued resources. And the only thing I'll say is this, uh, life has been very kind to me. As a result, I feel I owe life. So anytime you see me uh, hosting the PBS Kids Day right here in downtown <laughs> Phoenix, now serving as a member of the legislature, as a teacher, as an artist, yeah. all of those things are my little efforts to try to give back for everything that's been given to me. That's Absolutely. amazing. Uh, so how have your life experiences, you know, shaped you into the leader you are today? Well, I, uh, to me, leadership is about listening. To me, leadership is about listening and then offering a perspective that can unite and, and, and guide people towards our common goal. Uh, growing up in very modest means, uh, you grow up hungry. And, and not only, you know, physically, but, but with the deep hunger to sort of improve your well-being and, and, and that of your family and eventually your community. So I grew up, uh, I grew up hungry. Um, I did not learn how to read until the fourth grade. Not something oh, wow. that, that most people don't know, but it wasn't until the fourth grade that I learned how to read. And I learned how to read by grabbing a bunch of books about Michael Jordan oh, and then sort of yes. understanding Michael Jordan's passion and drive. And I was like, oh, to be the best, you've <laughs> got to do what Michael Jordan does. And so that was always my my sort of model. I wanted to be the best at everything that I did. And that, again, complemented that, that notion of, of my sense of debt to my parents. And so growing up with modest means, growing up with a, with a deep hunger, and then taking advantage of every single book 
that I could find so I could learn more lessons, so I could learn more words, so I could learn more concepts, and then eventually have an opportunity to share those out with the world. One of the, it reminds me when, when I got to this country, it was in 1994, um, and I, of course I didn't speak English, and I was trying to learn my family member, and and Danny, Danny and our family, and and he'll know some of this. But I remember, I think it was my tia Lupe or somebody in the house that I was staying in. They had they were practicing for their their citizenship, mm-hmm. um, their naturalization, and so they had these papers laying around, and they were just like giving to me. And it was the citizenship citizenship test, and so. I learned English early on by reading like these questions about when was the, the Declaration of Independence written and who's the current president <laughs> and the Statue of Liberty. What does it say? You know, give me your tired, give me your poor, your huddled masses. So, so many people see me so passionate about politics and about doing the right thing and about what this country is supposed to stand. I think that was kind of like the seed for me because <laughs> I like, I learned English by learning about, you know, what it meant to be a citizen. You were getting your civics training. Exactly. I was getting my civics training as soon as I landed learning English through this like naturalization exam. And, and, and so it's, it's, it's very interesting. And one of the things that, you know, I've been talking to people about Marce and now that you're in a position to create even more change because you've always been making changes. I think 2016 for a lot of people, especially people of color, it felt fix this. People of color, we need you. People of color, go vote. Or if you don't go vote, you know, etc. And then again, you know, four years later. And I feel like I have this sense, you know, and I don't speak for everyone, but I've spoken to a lot of people that people, people of color are getting tired of being told to go vote and to go fix things because everybody else is not getting their shit together. And so now, what does it feel to go now into representing Arizonans during a time where people want things to be fixed? Like what kind of, what kind of pressure does that put on someone? And what have you been thinking about? Like, what do I do in the position that I'm in? Um, I, I, I always like to contextualize uh, uh, my conversation with, with history and, and with quotes. Um, I'll remind you back to President Obama's farewell speech. Uh, it happened in, in January of 2017. And if you look at that speech, it, it's rather lengthy and he walks you through everything that he did within uh, within his eight years in office. But he ended his speech by telling us that at that moment, he was now going to have the most important title of them all, which is citizen. He was now going to go back to just being a regular citizen. Um, I take those words to heart. I take those words to heart and, 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 and I'd like to share them with everybody because ultimately there is systematic change and there is systematic oppression and, and, and there are, and, and there is policy that has to happen. But I always bring it back to the individual person. Uh, to do whatever they can, to take advantage of as many resources as they can. And then eventually, and I think this is the difference, um, some people do that and then they forget to bring the ones that are behind them along or the ones that are next to them along. I think that's the ultimate difference between a leader and, and, and somebody who's just in it for themselves. I think once you go through that journey and you take advantage of those resources, uh, you sort of realize, well, I was fortunate to have this. I need to make sure that somebody else has it. Right. Because um, I think leadership is very much like, uh, uh, I, I think a true leader will take everything that he or she has done, everything that they've done in, but they'll feel better when those that they've helped do better than them. Yeah. Yes. Right. So, Daniel, uh, you and I met each other at, at Arizona State University, same time that Luisa and I met there. And since then, and I've told you this privately, I've said this publicly, I'm going to say it again. I have been in awe 
of all that you have done. You came in younger than me. Uh, we started spending time together. We were working on that magazine with Luis yes. and everything. And then eventually I see you become uh, this incredible leader within our community. And, and, and technically I was supposed to be mentoring you, but the reality was that I was, that I was watching you do all of these incredible things. And so when you became the first attorney to, to, to be DACA and then the first attorney here in Arizona, I was like, yeah, yeah yes. there you go. When you became the outstanding graduate in 2014, I was like, yeah, there you go. And so yes. for me, I think that's what leadership is about. Leadership is about bringing those that happen to trust you empowering them with as many resources and information as possible and then watching them grow. And so uh, that that's everything that's happened. It's not an accident. It's a continuation of it. Absolutely. Definitely. And, wow. Where's his, know, where's his drink? Can, can somebody get him the drink <laughs> of the like day, please? No, no, I'll get some water right now. I'm good right okay. now. Okay. Well, we have drinks of the day in our, in our podcast. All right. We're going to have a drink of the day, right? What is yes. the drink of the day? The drink of the day today is actually, so I wanted a new year, right? Something new, something I've never had before. Uh, it is our root beer flow, but it's actual alcoholic root beer. Uh-oh. So it's a root beer float, but you know, with alcohol in it. <laughs> I like it. I'm not a root beer, beer float kind of guy, to be honest. So, like, this is new for me. But it, it's okay. nice. I mean, it has ice cream. It uh -oh. has ice cream. You can't go wrong so with ice cream. You can't go wrong with ice cream. It's it's not as strong as the margaritas last week. <laughs> so, that's definitely good. You're welcome. I honestly, I'm not a root beer person myself, but it is really good. I'm not going to lie. So, what, what, so it's, it's root beer it's ice and, ice, and, root and beer. ice cream. That's it. Yeah, but it's alcoholic root beer. I feel like it needs to have an extra shot or something. <laughs> Mira, te digo, te um, no, I'm, I'm a connoisseur, so like I'm like, okay, what does it need? Like, I'm not, I don't what drink make a lot, but perfect if is a little bit of coffee liqueur. Co oh. That would I think just make okay. this perfect. All right, I, I will try that next time. I'm, I'm just taking notes. I'm just taking notes with everything that you're all saying. This 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 is the way to live. I'm, we I'm went yeah. we went through the history of um, adios. adios, motherfuckers. Wait, so wait. yeah, it actually began as what? Adios, madre, mother. No, adios, mother. Okay. And to adios, madre. Um, to adios, motherfucker. Whoa, that's a few episodes ago, but now it's root beer floats because we're trying new things in 2020 or 2022. When you, you know, when you speak, it's it's just very passionate, very energetic. Like I'm like, yeah, let's, you know, I'm ready for the new year now. But who keeps you motivated? You know, um. Or what keeps you motivated? Because it, it's hard. Being the best is hard. You know what? Uh, I, I've got a few answers to that. Uh, first of all, I've, I've got a 13-year-old uh, mm. uh, who keeps me in check. Uh, yes. uh, Daniel has met her. Uh, you know, she keeps me in check and, and she keeps me grounded and, and humble. So she inspires the heck out of me. But let me, let me, I, I like to tell stories. Uh, when I was, uh, when I was a senior in high school, I, uh, I was fortunate enough to go to Utah for the Utah Shakespeare Festival. Okay. And I did Hamlet. Uh, my training at South Mountain High School prepared me for that. And I did a good job. Uh, so much so that when I came back, I was asked to go to the uh, school board meeting at uh, Phoenix Union to do the same monologue that I had done in Utah at the school board meeting. And I did it and I saw a bunch of important people with ties and just sitting there and I was blown away, right? So... At the same time, I used to work at Garcia's Mexican Restaurant. I'm not giving them a plug, but that just happens to be where I worked at. And uh, I would like to thank our sponsor, Garcia's Mexican <laughs> <laughs> I was working there, and then um, one night, 
uh, a man by the name of Mr. Gary Gerwell, uh, uh, Gerwell, Gary Har- Harwell, excuse me, was a board member uh, at, at Phoenix Union at the time. And I want to, uh, I walked up to him and I said to him, how the heck do you get inspired? How the heck do you do, you do it with everything that's going on, right? And you know what he said to me? He said, can I tell you the truth? And I was like, yes, of course. He's like, you inspire me. I said, what? He's like, you inspired me. The fact that you learned that monologue, the fact that you came and presented it, the fact that you did it, that inspires me. And so to me, the, the, the answer to that is there are so many things on, on a regular basis that inspired me. I'm a big fan of celebrating your small victories because a lot of times it's like, well, when is the appointment happening? Or when are you on the cover of this magazine? Or when did you get this new promotion? All those things are wonderful. But for me, it's the little things that actually amount to giving me inspiration. What's going on tonight? I mean, we're having a conversation. <laughs> we're having a conversation tonight about how to make our country better. You, if you can't get inspired by that, something's wrong with you, right? <laughs> so so uh, to me, it's it's the little things. It, it's somebody who, who takes their shot, who hits the rim or makes it, and then they don't give up if they miss it. They pick up the ball again and they go at it one more time. Yes. You guys were talking about kids. Um, I was talking to a friend recently. He's studying child development psychology Mm -hmm. and just disciplinary methods and how you're supposed to approach kids. Um, And we were talking about how to apply certain sort of techniques um, that are focused on kids, but how to apply apply them with adults. Kids need hope. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that adults need hope as well. And especially during a time where our politics is fucked up, where our health is, you know, being attacked by this virus. Even before the virus, we had issues with alcohol dependency. We had issues with substance abuse, a lot of it because of mental health issues. The depression rates, you know, are up, anxiety is up. And being a person that that also fights with depression and anxiety, I read the steps that we give people like go work out create a routine um you know wake up early and do your bed and you do all of that and that helps but especially now i think that as a country and something that i've learned working with immigrant youth is none of that matters if people don't have hope right. if people do not have hope then it doesn't matter the routine they have because they don't know what's next if people don't have hope, then it doesn't matter what they do because they can envision a tomorrow. And and for me, that's what you have been given people. And that's what everybody that we met in this movement have been given people that we can talk about what's real. We can talk about what's fucked up. But at the end of the day, we always try to give people hope because without that, like how, how are you going to expect people to face everything that's going on if they don't have a hope? And, and so thank you for giving people hope. Definitely. Thank you for motivating people. You did mentor me. You motivated me. You gave me hope. And, 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 and I think that what we as a country need is what we learned ourselves back in the day that we can't look for others. We have to be each other's mentors. We have to be each other's motivation. We have to be each other's leaders. And we have to give each other hope. You have to be your best friend. How's that? <laughs> you have to be your best friend. I think one of the best ways that you are giving hope, especially to today's youth, um, I, I noticed that you were a mentor and college, is it specialist, transition specialist, 
with College Depot? Um, uh, Victor. Victor uh, was my St. Vincent de Paul mentee mm -hmm. uh, for four years. He, he became the first person in his family to graduate. His family is originally from El Salvador. Uh, I mentored him uh, through the St. Vincent de Paul program, but I continue to mentor him. I'll tell you what I do. Every single Monday, uh, well, while he was my mentee, I would send him a, Hey, it's Monday. Go do it. Have a good week. You know, have a good, have a good uh, time studying finals, so forth. I've continued that after the, the mentorship officially ended. So every Monday I check in with him. I've got another one named Elijah that I check in with every single Monday. And, and, and it's nothing spectacular. It's just something like, Hey, go do it. You know, don't forget your rest and then kick butt. Um, so, um, I was able to mentor Victor and he did an amazing job, graduated and then eventually started to, to work uh, as, a, as a, a college transitionalist specialist. Uh, he's now working at a school, but he continues to do wonderful work. And so to me, you know, that's part of that. That's part of that legacy that that doesn't stop with one person. It's a circle, right? It's a cycle. And so you keep sharing it. And I'm sure that I'm, I know for a fact that Victor is going to, to, to mentor other other people. That's amazing. Um, that stood out to me because when I went to ASU, I, I it was a, a culture shock a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, <laughs> a lot. Um, especially if you're from Phoenix Union. Uh, especially if uh, you're like the only woman uh, engineer in your class. So, yeah, it was definitely. So thank you for doing that. Um, it's amazing. I, is there any way others can get involved? Well, I, I think... Uh... I think it's it's easy for for anyone to, to to get involved. A lot of times you'll hear that, right? Like you get really inspired, you get really motivated, right? Because you see somebody or you hear somebody. The trick is you've got to keep that motivation and that sense of of spirit uh the whole time. I think what what ends, you know, what's really interesting is um this appointment happens, right? So, oh, now you're a member of the Arizona State Legislature. And that's really exciting and that's really inspiring. That's cool. But the reality is that doesn't just happen. It becomes right. official on a day, right? But the reality is that there have been, there has been so much work leading up to that. And so to connect both ideas uh, for all of those individuals that are getting inspired and like, let's go. We can do this. Cool. There are a number of non-for-profits right. that need your help. Right. There are a number of schools that could benefit from volunteers. There are a number of cousins. Right. There are a number of primitos yeah, primos, and primitas primos. that could benefit from a little pat on the back, from a little sit down and, and, and let's read. So so the, the trick to me is to keep those thoughts uh, on us all the time. And then when non for profits raise their hand and say, we need your help for you to actually pick up the phone or send the email and then actually do it. And then I think the one of the things that's so important to keep in mind is it, it's not going to happen overnight. And especially now, I mean, you, you know, like we're talking about like mental health issues and we're talking about society and whatnot. We've, we're operating in, in, in a time where the return on the investment is expected immediately. Right. Immediately. And if it doesn't happen, then we consider it a failure. Then we consider it that we're being taken advantage of. No, no, go the other direction. <laughs> Take your time. Take your time. If it doesn't happen right now, it'll happen. It'll have, I ran for this position in 2014. And I came up a little close. I did not get it. It took another seven, almost eight years before this happened. So my recommendation for everybody is if something doesn't go right right now, don't worry. <laughs> keep at it. Keep doing the work. Keep being your best. Be your best friend. And then watch. Before you know it, boom, there it is.
Absolutely. Oh, man. I wanted to congratulate you on your ASU uh, mother, Mar- Martin Luther King Jr. Mm. Uh, Staff Servant Leadership Award, you know, and everything that you just spoke about uh, is tells us why. A very deserving award for you. Um, playwright, activist, poet, artist, educator, nonprofit leader, and now elected official. Marcelino, what's next? Uh, sleep. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. Um, uh, what's next is the work. What's next is the work. Um, I, I think it's important to, to keep all of those things in mind and then to keep doing the work. Um, and, and, and to, and to be kind with oneself, but to, but to keep going, but to keep going. Um, I will say a couple of things that I think are very, very important for all of us to discuss next year on the ballot. There is going to be, um, a measure that all Arizona voters can vote on. And that is to grant, um, uh, DACA and undocumented students, uh, in-state tuition. That's yes. going to be in the November ballot. So as we talk about what we can do, keep that in mind. Additionally, it's important for all of us as a community to make democracy a part of our everyday culture. So when you're at the quinceanera, when you're at the fiesta, when you're at the birthday party, check in on your, on your family and ask them, are you registered to vote? And if the answer is not, take out their phone and register them to vote then and there. We talk about, well, how can we see that, that things are changing? How can we see progress? I want to see a spike in numbers of people that have registered to vote and yes. then people to say, what happened? Well, it seemed to have happened on Friday, January 7th, 2022. <laughs> what happened that day? Oh, there was a podcast. There was a podcast. Look, Daniel and Luisa and Danny, they did a podcast. And then the day after, like, there was just a spike in voter registration. So so that's what I would uh, ask you to do. And then um, really quickly, <laughs> we have a candidate uh, for a statewide position who was at the Capitol last year, and this individual is now trying to, uh, to be in a statewide office. So, so do your research, figure out who's running, <laughs> and then vote against them. Just put them on blast, Marcelino. <laughs> I'm just telling you know I'm gonna invite people to do the research. I'm gonna invite people to to okay. to, to look it up. Quemalo, but quemalo, I'll look it up. I'll look it up. We'll put it on last next episode. I don't care. Please, but do it. Come through, familia. Come through. Um, so then, then we didn't do the resolution, but I want to do something, which is 2022. What gives you hope? And of course, you're an uplifting <sighs> moment and story for today's episode, Marcelino. So let's just kind of go around 2022. We have a lot of stuff coming up. We have Omicron cases going up. We have the political landscape at both the state and national level going okay. crazy. But what is giving you hope for this year? My children. They give me hope every single day. Um, if you didn't hear me out there, it's my children, my two boys. Uh, they give me hope every single day. Um, I'm just so blessed to be part of their lives. I'm going to stop talking because I'm going to start crying. <laughs> Let it out. Let it out. <laughs> well, what about you, Marcelino? They've got a cool mommy. Um, all of the people that I meet every single day. Um, I've been in, in this new role for three weeks, and I've had meetings every single day with different individuals who all tell me uh, their passions and, and what they would like to see happen. And all of those individuals uh, give me hope. Um, one of the things that, that I think is important, so everybody gives me hope, but then uh, I'm going to also ask you to be kind to Mother Earth. Yes. You know, do your recycling. Don't waste water. Do all of those things because that, that's how, that's how we get a little bit better. So everybody that, that I come in and into contact with and have an opportunity to engage with, uh, in, in one way or another, they give me hope. What about Thank you? you. 
Huh? What about what, you? What gives you hope? Yes, Annie. You need some hope. Already. No. I, what gives me hope, I think, is just despite what we see with Omicron, despite what we see with the political landscape, is just people continuing to live, you know? People continuing to live. That gives me hope uh, because when, when Arizona voters passed Proposition 300 in 2006, and at the time... You know, after that law passed in Arizona, I had to pay out-of-state tuition to go to school. My scholarships were taken away. And not just me, uh, my friends, my peers. And I saw so many of them give up. I saw so many of them when things got, you know, really tough, not be motivated. I had to, I remember, literally went to people's houses and dragged them out of bed to just get them out. Because they said, well, why am I going to go to school? Why am I going to, you know, live? Um, and so the fact that everything that is going on is happening and I still see people go out there and, and get up and make their coffee and go to work and yes. go volunteer and go register to vote. And yeah, things are like, feel like they're falling apart or whatever it is, but they're walking through that fire and they're saying, I'm ready. You know, I'm, 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 I, that motivates me. So even in the darkest times, you're going to find that light. And even in times of crisis, you're going to find the opportunity. And I think that the opportunity that we have right now as a state and as a country is say, we don't like things. We need to change things. And what gives me hope is what's going to come after that. Yes. Uh, Daniel, I, I don't know if people know this, but um, the other thing that gives me hope, and I'm going to toss it right back to you, is people's creativity. In the midst of darkness, in the midst of chaos, their creativity to sort of bring about the change that they want. You talk about the, the hardships that, that you encountered as a result of the passage of Prop 300. Uh, you were a law student, and then you found yourself in, in a really uh, dire situation. What the heck did you do? Because I want people to know the creativity <laughs> that can happen, and then you end up graduating. What, what did you end up doing? I asked people for money. But you created a whole campaign. I did, yes. I did. And this is what like for every student that's listening or, or watching out there, when I was involved in politics, um, I always saw people, you know, asking for money. And President Obama is probably my top three presidents in my top three presidents of all time. And and I, I always share that when I went to law school my first year. He was running for office 2008. Uh -huh. Then when he was running for re-election in 2012, I went back to law school after the DACA was passed and I ended that campaign. And so every time that I would go to office, he would ask people for money and for their support. Uh, so, and he always, you know, share that story right. of how helping him would help the community, would help the country. And so I said, well, I want to go to school. I want to go to school. I want to give back. I know that I have this challenge in front of me of raising $30,000 a year. So what do I do? I need to ask people to help me. That's the only way I can do it. I, I still have to pay out of state tuition. I don't have a lot of money. I still don't qualify for scholarships. So I'm going to tell people, if you help me become an attorney, I'm going to give back. And going back, throwing it back to you now, that debt that you have to life, that's the debt that I feel I have to the community. That I could not be where I am right now if it wasn't for people giving me $5, $10, hosting a party where I can raise $300, going to law school. And every day in law school, aside from studying, I was organizing with immigrant youth and I was fundraising to stay in law school. And it was, if it wasn't for those people, I wouldn't have been able to raise, you know, over $50,000 to be able to stay there. So don't give up. Don't be afraid of no. Share your story because ultimately if you do that with love, if you do it with intention and if you do it with, with, with the hope that one day you're going to give back as a community, we're going to pull through, we're going to pull together, we're going to make it happen. And yes. that's what I learned. Yeah. So, All right. 
Thank you everyone for being a uh, part of today's Arizona app uplift and for Marcelino <laughs> to really, really make this episode as uplifting as it was. Oh, really, thank you. Thank, thank you, you so for much for the invitation. All right, we bye everyone. Have, I still got one more, one more thing. Oh, oh yeah, look at that. Yes. Consultations. Free Talking consultations. About, yeah, yeah. Speaking so, of giving a, a back, a little plug, a little plug for giving my back. firm. <laughs> giving back. We're doing free consultations at my firm on January 29th. And so, if you guys are interested in free immigration consultations and family consultations, if you guys have any questions, stop by. It's free. We'll have food. Bring your masks, please. And um, yeah, I'll see you guys there. Bye. Adiós, familia. Adiós. Happy New Year. Feliz Año Nuevo.